It's uh, really great to see you. And um, where's Becky and Nkosi? Becky and Nkosi, why don't you stand? But Becky is um, the king of the Zulus has just died. And, and Becky's actually next in line, but Jesus is preventing him from stepping into the gap. So we actually have the Zulu king in our presence. His name, is your name Becky and Corsi? It is Becky and Corsi, eh? It's so nice to have the Zulu king with us today. It's really awesome. And on the left there is Mr. South Africa. His name is Mika. He won the Mr. South Africa. He's on our staff. He's a Speedo model. And uh, Speedo and Crocs. And... Um, and I'll and I tell you how he got saved. Uh, God said to us that we would get money from the East. He would bless us. And I'm going to preach this morning on generosity. I've actually, funny enough, never really preached on it. And uh, because I've been trying to understand it, and I think I'm starting to see some insight into it. And um, God said we'd get money from the East. And um, we just got these very random amounts of money from the East, from Hong Kong. Just anonymous um, we couldn't find out, our accountant tried to look at Facebook, and we couldn't find out where this money came from. And then one day we got an email, very strange email, saying, hi, I'm a member of your church, and uh, my nephew's finishing school, and can you employ him? Uh, he's not saved. I'm thinking like, foot sack, you know? <laughs> Talk about football, you know? It's like, foot sack. It's like, why on earth would we employ him, you know? So Damon wrote to me and said, no, actually, uh, Rory, don't worry, I'll handle it. And I just looked and I thought, I wonder if this is the guy from Hong Kong. I just had this random thought. And I emailed back, I said, are you the guy from Hong Kong? And he said, how do you know? I said, I don't know, but, but I don't know if there's a, I don't know how we knew it. And, uh, you know, Cornelius's gift went up before and got smelt by the heavens and salvation came and visited his home and I wrote back and I said, yes, we will employ your nephew with the greatest of pleasure. And he came as an unsaved man. And about five weeks ago, he got saved. And tonight he's being baptized. <laughs> by my son. And so there's just miracle upon miracle upon miracle that happens when you transfer money from Hong Kong. Uh, to South Africa, and it ends up in salvation. And so God builds a church in many different ways. One of the ways he does it is with different kinds of gifts. So he gives one an apostle, another an evangelist. He gives one guy an introvertedness and another guy an extrovertedness. He gives somebody a preaching gift. He gives another body a music gift. He gives somebody a coffee gift. He gives another person a serving gift. He gives somebody a gift with children and somebody a gift with adults. And when it all comes together, the church gets built. But one of the ways that God builds a church is gives us different economic conditions. And, and he does that so that he can actually build international ministries. And one of my great concerns is that we use a lot of our own money for our own churches. And don't actually explore opportunities to bless other people. But God has specifically designed that different churches have different economic needs and abilities so that he can actually build international relationships. So if guys say, do I believe we should be blessed? Yes, I do. I believe do we, the longer we serve God, the richer we become. Yes, I believe that. Um, the faithfulness lead to fruitfulness. Yes, I believe that. But the Jerusalem church was really poor. The Macedonian churches were also poor. The Corinthian church was slightly richer, 
But God used the Macedonians and the Corinthians to bless the Jerusalem church. And so he had to have these gifts that went between each other in order to build one type of ministry. So, so Paul actually in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, which is the greatest length of any sermon on generosity, Paul is actually trying to encourage people to give money away so that God can actually be revealed in his fullness. And so, so what we've witnessed, guys, and I'm not boasting or bragging, but, but we have witnessed the receiving, and I haven't often received money because, because you get proudful, but we have re- witnessed the receiving of money from other churches, which has established relationships so that the kingdom of God can extend in our field at your expense to your dreams, and inside of that is something that is so sweet and so holy and so incredible. Amen? And so if I preached, if, if somebody said to me, if you got up in the church and preached now, what would you preach on? I'd preach on two things. I'd preach on the book of Ruth. Because it says in the days that the judges ruled and it says there were, that, that, that there was no order in the land and everybody did as they saw fit. So there was complete anarchy like we have in South Africa. We have our ex-president challenging our judicial system. And he's saying, you send me to jail if you want. It's complete anarchy. You've got Magashulu visiting Zuma and he's about to go and visit. So we have got anarchy in our land. Our judicial system is under amazing attack. Our government is under attack and there's complete chaos inside of our fiscal policies. Just like the book of Ruth. It says there was a famine in the land, just like we're experiencing right now. There's economic crisis. Elkanah, which means God is my king, is making stupid decisions. He takes his family out of the purposes of God into Moab, into a strange land. So we've got good godly men making dumb decisions all around us. People immigrating. You immigrate now, guys, because of of, of fear, your kids will end up serving the devil in Australia. I'm telling you, it's better to be here in this condition. It's better to be in this condition where we need God every single day, every 24 hours, then take them to Australia where they never need God, and in a, in a few years' time, they're going to be far away from God. And we're going to wonder, how did that happen? Because you're dumb. Like Elkanah, we're making bad decisions. And friends, I've made some bad decisions. I've made some bad decisions. The fourth thing, we see death. Elkanah and his two sons both die. And so we've got death all around us. COVID is happening all around us. And then they're living in Moab, which is sexual diversity and sexual shadows. And we don't know if it's LGBTQRP. There's a new thing now called pansexual. And we better be prepared, friends, on how to give gentle answers to big questions at this time. Because the church is going to be attacked on finances and it's going to be attacked on sexuality. Just look at Ravi Zacharias and Carl Lenz. And you've got to know, friends, that you and I are going to come under that exact same scrutiny. But we have to be willing to stand up for our sexuality and for our financial integrity when everybody else is falling around us. We cannot be silent on it. And so I would preach the book of Ruth at this time for that simple reason. Now what happens in Ruth is just because of a little bit of sowing and reaping into those five contexts, we end up with a seed that produces the kingdom of Christ. And so I believe at this time, if we would do two things, remain sexually pure and and give ourselves to sowing and reaping, we will see an unbelievable victory for the church and an incredible increase in the kingdom of God. The second thing I would preach on is the Beatitudes. And I'll tell you why, friends, because I believe that the standard needs to be spoken about. We are washing down the gospel 
into some kind of thing that pleases people. The, the Beatitudes are hardcore. And I'm too scared to preach the Beatitudes until we understand what happens before the Beatitudes, which is God fixes a mess, He makes them a son, He fills them with the Spirit, and then He preaches the Beatitudes. We need to get people understanding what it means to be a son and daughter of God, filled with the Spirit, so that we can start living the Beatitudes. This is how the Beatitudes starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We are talking about victory. We are talking about winning. We are talking about images. We are talking about blowing people's identities up. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you understand you're broken, you start to see the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm talking about a radical sexual purity that has to sweep across our pulpits, friends, so that we'll start to see the kingdom of God coming. That's what I would preach. But let's go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and see how far we get. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace. Say with me, grace. And then if you, if you read any passage of Scripture, you should always see the word that's repeated the most. And in these two chapters of Scripture, the words that are repeated the most is grace and thank you. Grace and thank you. So whenever we talk about finances, it should be grace and thank you. That's how we speak about finances. Grace and thank you. So giving should never ever manipulate people. If we sell our tent today, which I think we will, we would have raised 75 million rand in a COVID year, in an economic crisis, while our tithes and offerings have gone up and we haven't met for one year. I can only say grace. I can't say anything else. I've been in the church for 25 years. The first time in our life, our bank account has gone down to naught. On the 25th of March, this year, we paid salaries in full. And I SMS the elders, I said, our bank account is naught. Zero, nothing, naught in 25 years. And I went to bed that night and I wrote to the elders, I said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And when I had a, my first meeting in the morning at 8 o'clock, on Thursday the 26th, a man put 200,000 rand on the table and said, we want to sow into your building project. We were bankrupt for 16 hours, of which about eight of them hours asleep. And so we can't take any glory to God, but friends, we need to tap into something because it's one of the greatest building methods. And when you're under financial pressure, the first thing that you do is that you'll do this. And because we are so committed to building our brand, we spend all our money on ourselves instead of giving it to others. So Ruth, with that unbelievable mess, anarchy, death, bad decisions, sexual perversity, a little bit of generosity from Boaz released the seed that gave birth to Christ. Isn't that amazing? And now, brothers, relationship. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Tell me that the world pull-up champion, the guy who does pull-ups, 
I think the record is 4,800 pull-ups. 4,850, I think. 4,850, and when he got off the bar, his, his skin stuck to the bar. 4,800, he says to you, when you are at the end, the absolute end of your ability, you've only reached 40% of your capacity. So we think we've given ourselves, we've given, man, I've given to this building, I've given everything. There are realms of God we haven't even touched yet. There are realms of changing this nation that we haven't even touched yet. And I'm telling you, friends, it's going to come through purity and it's going to come through generosity. That's what I believe. I might be wrong, but that's what I believe. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do what expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So first three things, friends, that we need to learn about generosity. Number one, it's got nothing to do with economic conditions. It says out of their severe famine, out of their absolute nothingness, it welled up in rich generosity. So don't say to me in the church, you can't give. You can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to give. Out of their severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty. Say extreme poverty. Extreme poverty is what you drive past when you get to the highway. Extreme poverty is the, is the back of Moraleta Park Church. Extreme poverty. God is writing. He's not writing about the Moraleta Church. He's not writing about the 3CR Church. He's writing about the church that's in the middle of the squatter camp. And he says, you guys are teaching us about Jesus. So we know it's not dependent on economics. So you must remember, friends, everything in our world is filtered by a world system. There is a world system that is violently opposed to the church. It comes in very subtle ways, and we have to be aware when you wake up in the morning that we are fighting a battle and a creeping humanism. And it will hit us, friends. It will hit us. In sexuality, and it will hit us in money. Out of their extreme poverty. Secondly, entirely on their own. I do not believe that it's the pastor's job to motivate people to give money. If you're born again, you will be generous. If your heart has been saved, you will be generous. If you know Christ, you can do nothing else but give. Entirely on their own. And I'm convinced of this. People that are not generous are not saved. You cannot have a born-again heart and be stingy. It's impossible. It is impossible. When Abraham realized the grace of God, the first thing he did was tithe. That's the first thing he did. Now we go into the Beatitudes and we think, what about tithing? Friends, the Bible says our righteousness must be far higher than the law. So when I understand sonship and I understand that I'm born in the Spirit of God, tithing is not even a conversation that I should have. Tithing is a standard for immature believers 
who have not been radically touched by God, that think that I was going to hell, I was poverty stricken, I was completely lost, I was broken, God saved me, I can do nothing else but give. And you say, okay, Rory, but then, I mean, if you stand up every Sunday and we go building projects, how must I give? This is how you must give. Give yourself first to the Lord and then to others in keeping with the gospel. That's what it says. So how do you, you've got to have a walk with Jesus. You've got to be able to walk with God in order to determine your generosity. So, so you don't let a preacher determine your generosity. Don't let Paul determine your generosity. Don't let Rory determine your generosity. Give yourself first to the Lord. Because he'll protect you. He's not trying to rob you. And if you meet with Jesus, you'll know how much you have to give. Amen? Let's go to the end of the scriptures. This passage of scripture before we come back. Verse 15 of chapter 9. Thanks be to God. So whenever you see God in the Bible in the New Testament like that, it's God the Father. Thanks be to God the Father for this indescribable gift. You want me to describe my wife? I'll take half an hour. You want me to describe 3CR Church? I'll take another half an hour. You want me to describe the goodness of God? I'll take another half an hour. You want me to describe the school I went to? I'll take 20 minutes. You want me to describe my friendships? I'll take what God says... What Paul says, you cannot describe Jesus. He's indescribable. Thanks be to God the Father. You want to understand generosity? Thanks be to God the Father for this indescribable gift. Kind, generous, extravagant, radical, pure, big, lavish. Just keep going. And he says, guys, if you understand it, it doesn't matter if you live in Macedonia or Jerusalem or if you live in Corinth, your generosity has to be based on the indescribable gift that God gave you, which is Jesus. Amen? And I am, I just realize, our offerings at a church should not take us more than 30 seconds. How's it, guys? Jesus died on the cross. We're taking up an offering today. Nothing more, nothing less. I've got to trust that my walk with Jesus and your walk with Jesus is enough for everything that we need to build the church. If you say to me, how did you raise the money? I've got absolutely no idea. Except I'm completely convinced that Jesus died on the cross. And when he shed his blood, that blood touched a man who's got a business in Hong Kong that built a church that led to his nephew getting saved. How do you work that out? Indescribable. Craig told me as he was building a, a studio. I'm so embarrassed I walked here because he has put so much money into our building. And I looked here today and I thought I shouldn't be preaching on generosity. Craig should be preaching on generosity. But you're inside my heart and I'm inside yours. And, and our churches are combined, and you could have used all the money you gave to us to pay that off, but you gave it to us. And so we'll have something that will last us for the rest of our lives, and God will eventually deal with the brick and mortar. Come on, come on, come on. 
Rich and Jacks are about to go into a building project. You know what the world system says? The world system, as I'm coming to the end of mine, it's like part of me wants to rejoice. I think I'm coming to the end and you're going into yours. It's like, hey, bro, there is not an ounce inside of me that says that. I say, Rich, I've been on a grace journey for the last two years, but where God has taught me about being impoverished for his sake and understanding the depths of God's brokenness in Christ and being lifted up and understanding the wealth that comes from that, You're about to go on the most magnificent two years of your life where God is going to use finances to teach you spiritual journeys that you will never, ever get any other way. I know some of you know this story. But we ran out of money in December. And our elders met. We had to make a big payment. And Clint said to me, he said, Raw, I can't give any more money. He's given from personally. His family has taken a major hit. He's given from his business. And he said, I don't have any more. There's no more money left. But there's a bicycle ride, and I've got strong legs. And I will train for six weeks, and I've got to go and ride 1,130 kilometers, and they'll back me financially. See, everyone's got different grace. Some guys can do a business deal like this, and some guys have got strong legs. And some guys have got faith. So one of our elders said, hey, Rory, the only way we're going to raise this money is we've got to give money away. So in the middle of an economic crisis, understanding 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 and the book of Ruth, we sold 600,000 rand to two churches. 500,000 rand to an Afrikaans church that we've got no relationship with. And 100,000 rand to a black guy who's planted in our city. And I went on holiday. And Clint went riding his bicycle and he raised 2.2 million rand. 2.2 million. You know, friends, you see, it's the grace of God. I want to just stand here and say, God, thank you for giving my friends strong legs and a strong mind. But we are worshiping with holiness. We are not money raisers. We are not cheerleaders. We are not hyping people up. And when I stand with Clint and I think, I look at his legs sometimes and I think, the grace of God is in these legs. When God put him together in his mother's womb, he was fearfully and wonderfully made. Enough to raise two million rand to build a building, not so that we can say we've got a building, but to provide a platform for the gospel of Christ to be preached. I've always been jealous of this screen. I am so embarrassed about this screen now. But you know what? We've put this screen up, put up by Craig's son-in-law. And Jackie came there yesterday I love Jackie. Jackie and I have always, I, I, I just love Jackie. I've always loved her. And she looked at the screen and her tears pouring down her eyes. And she said to me, Rory, this is like a proposal. This is like God is making a proposal to me. And I think inside of that proposal is legs, a church, my friend, my friend from Link, 
my friend from Cape Town, my friend from Hong Kong, my friend with big legs. That guy sitting there is Ryan toy. I knew from a little boy. His dad is my friend from, from Durban. His name is Chris. Chris Tatoi phoned me and he said, what does it cost to build every single day at 3CR Church? And I told him, he said, my family, the Tatoi family in Durban are paying for one day of your building costs. He's sitting up here just because I invited him to come and spend some time with me. And so we never know what happens, friends. Are you with me? Are, are you? I was looking at our finance. I don't, I don't ever look at finances. We haven't had a financial meeting in four years, I don't think. But that's not what you have to do. That's just my stupidity. And I saw money from a Portuguese church with Jeff and Jane. And I spoke to Jeff yesterday. He phoned me. He said, hey, Jeff, how are you? He said, hey, Raw, I'm doing so well, but He says, you know, Sunday is our first meeting. He says, I'm busy tidying the auditorium or the hall or the building that they've got. They left in December 16, 17 months ago. If, if they knew they were leaving, there's going to be a, a COVID crisis and they were not going to meet for 16 months, they would never have gone. And every month we pay their salary. It gives me joy because we can build a building because God told us to. And we can support a church plant. And we can support a church because God told us to. And not once have I ever thought of cutting Jeff's salary. But I looked at our finance and I realized they've paid for one day of our building project. You say, why don't you just keep one month's salary back and then they wouldn't. No, that's not what God's saying. He's saying, well, you pay his salary in Portugal and he will pay for your building in Pretoria. God will use our gifts to build a covenant relationship where we will understand the cross at deeper levels. You have to sow into fields that are not your own. So Clint got on a bicycle. I went on holiday. We're back to the story. And then I phoned my bank at my business because I started to panic. And I thought, can I, because I raised the overdraft through COVID because God told us to pay our salaries in full. And everybody told me I was a fool. So we paid our salaries in full. I had an overdraft and then we didn't need it. We traded our, out of it. So I had the overdraft. I thought, can I use my business overdraft just to pay the one bill of 3CI? And I felt... I said to my wife, I feel like such a fraud. And I got to the halfway house and there's a message from our building guy, Eugene, that says, look what's just coming to the offering. Six million rands worth of gold coins. A lady with a mask in a polo golf. You see the problem with us, friends, when we hang around in the world too much, we see the guy driving in in his Porsche. He's got a big job. And, and in my heart, because I'm fallen, I look at him, I think, he is my answer to my building project. And God says, I will send a single girl in a polo golf who doesn't take off her mask, and I don't know her name, to put money in an offering. And between Clint's bicycle ride and the gold, we paid our bill, and the next bill, and the next bill, 
and the next bull and the next bull. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for teaching me about Jesus. Thank you for helping me describe this indescribable gift. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So we're about to bring our building project to an end. I felt God say, you started it, now you must finish it. But just as you excel, say excel. You know what I've seen with the young generation? They're excellent. They're excellent dressers. They're excellent communicators. They're excellent presenters of the gospel. They're excellent with TV. They're excellent on the internet. They're excellent online. They're excellent. Which is brilliant. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge. I look at my mate Gabe, who's become a great preacher. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten sermons a week. He'd listen to week after week after week after week, excelling in knowledge, excelling, listening to people, Judas Smith, Stephen Furtick, listening, getting sharp, understanding, growing, getting in the knowledge of God, listening, accumulating knowledge, accumulating faith, getting married, planting churches, standing up, trusting God for buildings. In complete earnestness and in love for us, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. What kind of a giver are you? As I see Jesus, I realize I'm not there yet, but I want to become an excellent giver. I want to become an excellent giver. I, I love teeth. Find any subject. I love teeth. My son has his, my, my, my wife's not here because he's taking my one Sunday. My, my son has his braces off today. And yesterday I met a barista in Durban. Or I met a barista in Durban two weeks ago whose teeth look like this. He, he, he's got no dad. He's got no chance. He's got no future. But I've got money. And I've got eyes. And I've got grace. And he's got legs. And you've got color. And some of you've got a tongue. And some of you've got access. And his mum, I said to her, would you take him to the dentist? And so this morning I got the orthodontist bill for the barista in Durban. And I paid my son's last bill yesterday. And I paid the orthodontist bill today. Because I've got grace operating around people's teeth. And constantly there's a, what, what's your story? What's your story? And then people come to me and say, will you fix my teeth? It's like, no, no, and I won't fix your teeth. I'll just walk with God. I'll just walk with God and fix you. Friends, but when I look here, when I look across this auditorium, I've walked with you for many years. So what's that? Just on this. I want to stop and say, Jesus, I can't even describe the indescribable gift of Christ. But thank you for the people that you've put in my life who have helped me somehow through generosity, 
plumb the understanding of your grace. I don't know how I'm going to worship with that lady who gave six million rand. I don't know who she is. But let me walk into an auditorium and treat, treat every lady as if she gave six million rand. Let me stand next to her and think, you are the hero. You taught me about Jesus. God can use a woman with two copper coins and a woman with 200 gold coins. He can do whatever he likes. He doesn't need men in Porsches. I know we're going long. I'll quickly bring it to an end. It's, it's. I'm not commanding you. So gracious. So otherworldly. So no manipulation. I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Not putting a heavy on you. But if somebody, some of you put your legs to the test. You've got on a bicycle ridden 1,130 k's, whatever that means for you. I want to compare sincerity with Clint's legs. Have you pushed yourself to the max? Or you got, you got your little nest egg there that you're going to trust? You're going to just trust your nesting. No one's allowed access to that. We are preaching some things at times, friends, and we're living other things in secret. The only way you'll get a generous church is if the leadership team is radically generous with everything. Time, Chairs, houses, pray, everything. And you test it against each other if you want to. But I walked in here today and I looked at this building that you built on the outside. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. For you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty become rich. I've never understood the scripture until yesterday. But the prosperity gospel guys preach this as the finished work of Christ means that you will become rich. But that's not the context. The context is we're taking up an offering for a church that's needy. So it says, if you really want to understand this, you have to impoverish yourself like Jesus did so that somebody else can become rich. Friends, I'm not saying this to boast or brag. But I've earned very little since the start of this building project. And I've never 
in my life. And my work colleagues will tell you, I have never felt so spacious. I have never felt so peaceful. I have never felt the presence of God so much. Is that true, Clint? Is it true, Stephen? Is it true, Nariska? I am gentle. Is it true, Damien? I feel kind. I feel patient. I can walk away from arguments that I know that I can win. But I'm completely and utterly impoverished. I am poor. But I am rich.